0: Hi, everyone. This is Jennifer Lescalette from M Disrupt. M Disrupt is a platform that connects digital health innovators with scientists and health industry experts that want to bring their health products to market quickly and responsibly. Our podcast today will explore the future of family medicine and the patient experience. And we're so happy today to talk with Dr. Jennifer Swoyer. Dr. Swoyer runs the Family Medicine Residency Program at Amida Health Adventist Medical Center. And her passion lies within teaching In clinical medicine, helping underserved populations and improving access to health and wellness programs. During the pandemic, Dr. Sawyer developed a program for COVID testing that really set the standards for how we conduct testing properly and effectively. Dr. Sawyer, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you for asking me to join you. I'd love to begin
1: by hearing about your background and career journey, if we can start there. Thank you. So my career journey is not unusual for people who choose medicine. I went to medical school. I chose to do my residency in family medicine. I actually was in private practice for about five years and then felt that the calling to be in academics and in teaching was stronger. So I, at that point... Uh, returned actually to my residency program uh, where I currently work and um, have been faculty and now the program director there for uh, 17 years. Fantastic. So given our topic
0: today is reimagining the family medicine practice and patient experience, I'd really like to understand how the traditional family medicine practice is evolving to meet the current demands
1: of health consumers across the board. I think that the family medicine is evolving quickly as are most aspects of medicine. I think that the pandemic has certainly shed new light for all of us as primary care providers on how we need to pivot and um, integrate technological opportunities to improve the quality and care for our patients. The pandemic provided an opportunity for us to utilize telehealth differently. Telehealth has obviously been around for a while, but um, with the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, there were changes that allowed us to be able to utilize and integrate telehealth better, and it was a great opportunity for us to expand and kind of adopt new ways of trying to bring our care to our patients. The beauty of things like telehealth is that we were able to screen patients differently, do follow-up visits, in many ways, stop limiting patients to the schedules that we set. And we were able to be much more flexible in making sure that patients are getting the care that they need and deserve. And I think that is here to stay.
0: Great. And in terms of technology, I mean, most certainly we've seen on the news that telehealth has really taken off since the pandemic. I think it was there before, but, you know, most certainly now it's in People's and patients' vocabulary to use, um, but I also wanted to talk about how direct-to-consumer health companies and smart health, smartphone health apps, how they're affecting the way that family pra- family medicine doctors are. are
1: Helping their patients. The con- direct to consumer apps and the opportunities for physicians to work with their patients on uh, applications that are available is really exciting. We have, s- there are so many opportunities out there for how patients can start to. Uh, manage and be involved in their care and in their disease processes. And by having some of that accountability onto the individual with immediate feedback, and then the opportunity to have that reviewed with their provider, maybe sometimes shared directly with their provider is really, it's, it starts to be a very patient-centered change. It's not as physician-centered as it used to, as it used to be. So it's a really exciting way. And as a provider, I, I need my patients to be involved. I can't. I can't have more investment than they do in their health. So these new technologies are really a great opportunity for providers and patients to work better as a team.
0: And when you think about the number of preventable deaths this, this year, I think it was between 200,000 to 400,000 avoidable preventable deaths. I, I can't help to think that the health technologies can, can play a role in reducing those stats. And so how do you feel in terms of physicians partnering with some of these health innovators to Bring those numbers down by incorporating some of these,
1: some, you know, incorporating
0: technology into their practice.
1: Obviously, the opportunity for us to prevent deaths is always our goal. And I also think that these technologies, depending on how they're utilized and how they are, again, you know, it, it really becomes a, a team between providers and patients on how these technologies are integrated and utilized. But the best thing about point of care technology is that the individual. Well, who has the disease or has, um, you know, the condition that is being monitored, now has daily opportunity to understand their own health. And that investment and acknowledgement and sort of accountability really allows me to do a better job as a provider. So it really becomes much more, you know, of a of an opportunity for us to prevent, you know, bad outcomes and prevent death. So I think any of those and there are so many examples of where we can use these technologies to help to help. This you know this partnership work so much better.
0: And do you feel like that translates to being some of our more vulnerable populations? So when we think about, and I know this is as you've mentioned previously when we chatted about um, your passions around um, underserved populations and homeless populations, are do you think that this translates or can translate in the future into helping those populations of of
1: patients as well? Definitely, especially you know depending on the realm that we're thinking of, having the opportunity for. Sure anyone to have access to these tools. And sometimes it's easy to think that someone would just download an app on their phone. If you don't have a phone, that becomes more complicated. But that's where maybe social groups and community service agencies can have, you know, opportunities to make those things available for individuals. I I frequently work at one of our, during non COVID times, at a a shelter location. And I can imagine that even if we could just have a shelter at the shelter, we could have, you know, technology so that someone check in or Log in their blood pressure so that their provider could be helping them kind of keep track of those things. So, even if someone is more mobile and less able to, you know, attend, you know, really scheduled events, you could, we could do a better job of helping individuals be healthier and, you know, be healthy where they are. So, I think it's a very exciting opportunity. Where we live is
0: not really in an, an urban center. We're kind of out in a, a rural, rural part of Maryland. And there's a, there It's not, not huge, but there is a lot of mobile clinics. And I think that's a really interesting idea to get to people that maybe they don't have a car to drive to the hospital or drive to a clinic, or maybe, you know, it's difficult to, you know, for a family member to take them. And so I, I like this concept and you've touched on it about sort of meeting patients and people where they live. And so what, what are your, your, your thoughts around those types of, of outreach?
1: I really think that when we talk about population, health, Health and social determinants of health. We've seen the healthcare landscape change over the last, you know, the last many years. And we will continue to see that change. Uh, what has one of the things that has happened is healthcare systems have kind of consolidated services to try to kind of create these one-stop shopping experiences, where if you need to go see your provider, you go to your provider, but you can also get your x-ray and your labs, everything done in one location, which is really great and improves convenience. But the location, when they moved to those kind of single locations, they removed a lot of the providers that were in the community before and consolidated them into one location, which reduces some of the access. So having things that go out into our communities, so mobile clinics, that's Those are amazing outreach opportunities, going to shelters or, you know, going sometimes into communities that have large church organizations where you can reach a large population of people and then maybe connecting that with some of these additional technologies so that it maintains that connectivity for individuals for whom, you know, transportation might be challenging or schedules might be challenging. Or sometimes you, a family might have a family member who they cannot leave at home. So unless they have someone else to stay at home, getting to their visits or other things becomes complicated. And so we're really, I feel like on this great precipice of being able to, again, extend our services out into the communities and every community has individuals with those needs we sometimes don't acknowledge it or realize who it is so having that accessibility will hopefully really improve quality of care right
0: And following along with with those thoughts, you know m- many in the MDisrupt audience are digital health innovators they have access to capital and, and technologies and engineers to build solutions And given the landscape that you've just laid out for us, what could they be doing better? And what are those, what are digital health innovators not doing enough of?
1: So I think that the digital innovators are, they're doing a great job. They, their focus has really been on, you know, solving a problem. Sometimes the opportunity to solve that problem needs more input because it's very easy to seek, you know, have a problem, seek input from one group of maybe providers, but that one group of providers, let's say it's an urban setting, if you ask physicians who work in an urban setting, urban setting has a very different set of needs and different population at, you know, access than a rural setting. So I really feel that engaging these, you know, entrepreneurs and, you know, digital thinkers to incorporate views from many different providers will start to align how they, how technology can be utilized by many populations and by many different types of, you know, physicians, some, has different providers, because we're also seeing that we have, you know, mid-level providers that group of providers has really grown. So, and a lot of times mid-level providers are out in more rural areas. So designing technologies that encompass the needs of not just the question, but of the recipients of that, and then the people who are there to interpret and navigate that technology. So I really think that's where there's a great opportunity is to sort of, you know, bring together providers from lots of different practice settings to figure out the best way to incorporate how technology changes their the trajectory of their patients' care.
0: I really like how you 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 laid that out because it's true. I think that we we re- rely on key opinion leaders in the field uh, to. Push health products to market, and we rely on their opinions. And they might not be, um, they might not have patients that they see on a daily basis. Um, they might be in academic centers in urban populations, and so they're not, you know, they're they're not talking to a, a wider audience. And so, you know, traditionally, to get health products to market, we're using these key opinion leader programs. But we're not we're not we're not focused on practicing physicians. They don't have a strong voice or stake in what's useful in their, you know, for their patients and for their practice. And so I'd, I'd really like to you know, add on to to that question and just say, you know, and, and ask, you know, do you think there's room for improvement in terms of like study participants or amplifying the voice of practicing physicians and really getting real world information on how it works in a day-to-day practice versus just kind of this more high high level, maybe somewhat abstract because it doesn't, it's not useful for, you know, a, a normal,
1: a normal day in and day out situation. Yes. I think there's great opportunity to look at that again, look at how those questions are answered differently. Um, I feel very something that I feel very strongly about is that medicine is full of questions. We have we ask questions all the time, but it's really about asking the right question. I can ask a hundred questions, but if I don't ask the right question, I, I'm not getting to the root of the the essence of the problem or the essence of the solution. And you know, in academics, I, I read. I, I'm I'm a teacher. I teach family medicine. I train. Residents every day. That's what I do. I train medical students, and I can read all of the evidence. I can know every algorithm and all about population health and how we should do things. But medicine ultimately is still delivered one on one. It is still the relationship that I have with my patient, and that trust, and that accountability, and that relationship is what will ultimately lead to the recipient of my advice of evidence an advice of an algorithm to be interpreted and then taken into account and followed through. So, we need to look to the people who are actually living it every day to make the greatest impact. And if you really realize that a, you know, a family physician who is providing care, you know, for, you know, at a full-time level will see somewhere around 4500 to 5000 patient visits every year, sometimes more. Wow. That's that and yes, and if you kind of extract it, it usually ends up being about a patient panel of 1500 to 2000 patient lives that they are accountable for. There are a lot of moments that we could do better. That those, those numbers are
0: are unbelievable and when you think about incorporating new technology that makes it easier to when you have those different interactions, it, it's it's a it's a difficult recipe because you're trying to you, you, you don't want to solve just, you know, we talked earlier about you know, tech designed to solve one problem. So you don't want to have multiple technologies that you need to use. You need innovations that can help with, you know, large swaths of, of, of population with, you know, many, you know, multiple
1: issues at stake. Right. And hopefully, yes, and hopefully multiple uh, points to win with each opportunity. (laughs) Yes. Great. So carrying on from there, I'd like to talk about,
0: you know, your secret to success and what advice you would tell a founder who is interested in
1: creating tools for better health and wellness. I think that the success, especially if you're thinking about primary care, is first off, understanding that, most physicians go into medicine because we love what we do. Medicine, it's an art, it's a passion. And anything that can be done to help ensure that I continue to have that passion and success and continue to love what I do will improve my adoption of technology. It will improve my patients' opportunity to benefit from that success. And, you know, will reduce those other things that we hear about all the time, which is physician burnout and all those other things. So I really think that kind of looking at answering a question, but looking at who is the adopter of that technology and can that, can there be multiple, multiple wins within that? So can, can the technology help me provide better care? That's a win. Can that adoption of technology ensure that, you know, maybe that my billing and collections is better, that's great. Um, And that it's not then an additional burden on an already busy life and schedule. And if those things can, if you can kind of look at it from a 360 view and collect multiple points of success, the technology will, will be a winner because people will utilize it. And you know, if you just do that funny math that we were just sort of talking about, if you think we have 300 million patients in this country and each provider can be responsible for maybe 2,000 of them, that you need, you have a lot of providers we need to get on board to continue to make sure that we are doing a, the best job we can to ensure the, the health and wellness of the population that we care for, which is just here in the United States. If you had to, to rank... Uh, the
0: priorities in looking at a health tech product. Then, what, what were those priorities to you as a as a physician or as you know teaching students? What, what's important in terms of a, a rank when you think about a digital health product? Is it is it um, you know ma- making it something that's easy to use? You know within your practice. Is it patient centered? What what are the what are the three top priorities when you think of a of a product? When you if you had to re- review a product what would be the three top priorities or things to consider?
1: And I guess I, I look at it maybe from two different, I think there's kind of two different avenues that the technology can go. There's certainly patient forward technology, and then there's kind of physician centered technology. I really think that, you know, tech for me as a provider, technology that allows my patients to have ownership and accountability is one path. And that is really important because it means that our outcomes are going to be improved because it it starts to share the burden of the illness or of the chronic disease conditions. So that I think is really important that it that it's usable by if depending on the technology that we're talking about that it's usable especially direct to consumer products mm-hmm. it's usable by the individual and that it can build ownership and accountability on their part which will then help me as the provider, help them manage differently. If the technology is focused for the physician, then it really needs to be technology that is going to obviously help with outcomes, but help me as a provider in some way Save time. That would be the greatest Mm -hmm. thing because it should be that technology should work for me as opposed to against me. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. With me is okay. (laughs) So there's my my that's my ranking. Okay, first First with me, second, (laughs) third. That's my ranking. Ah, I love that. Great.
0: So in, in you know we talked a little bit about like health and wellness, and I'd like to understand. From the moment like when you first started practicing as a, as a physician to now, what have you changed your opinion on along the way?
1: I think the thing that has changed the most is as I have probably just been in practice longer and probably just gotten older. I believe that my greatest goal is to work with my patients, that no one chooses to be ill, no one chooses chronic disease. Um, but as we talked about earlier, there can be numerous variables or factors that contribute to individuals being successful in managing whatever their genetic predisposition is or their, um, you know, lifestyle created um, conditions. And I think that where I am at this point is that I realize that my job is to work with someone where they are to get the best results that we can um, and not necessarily just, you know, focus on, all the things that they need to do. And I think the best example is even, you know, like if we talk about obesity or diabetes, we focus frequently, you know, on, oh, you have to eat these things and you have to do this type of diet and exercise. And all of those are true. And those are all things that I will continue to talk about. But sometimes when you look at the grand scheme of where someone is in their life, they might be, you know might sometimes they might have maybe a family member who has high medical needs so for me to say that they have to go out and exercise for 30 minutes a day that might not be doable in that same in the same capacity maybe we need to think that differently telling someone that they have to eat a certain type of food or certain types of meals is all very founded in great literature but if part of your meal supply, your food comes from possibly supplemented by a food pantry, you no longer have the same control over the foods that you eat. So we need to work better together to, again, ask that important question, ask the critical question, and make sure that the solutions we are providing and the advice that we are giving to works in conjunction with what the individual's social needs are. And that piece is really where I feel that I have changed the most. Um, I ask the questions very differently. And we work then on where people are, and how to try to get them where they should be, as opposed to where, you know, the data says they should already be.
0: Great. I it, I I think that's an excellent point. I love it because you know going back to digital to I- innovation and in digital health, and talking to providers that are that are seeing many different you know patients across the board. I, I feel like the, that those types of insights are really important when you're when you're trying to solve for those for for these big problems because you might not get the the you know those specific insights. And so I think that that's a that's a great a great insight into in you in in practicing and seeing patients on a daily basis. So looking ahead within the health system, what what is it going to look like in 10 years? I mean, how will traditional health systems and pharmacies just do, do do things differently to adapt to a new model of healthcare? And we one theme that I've heard from you, you know, throughout our conversation is connecting to patients and connecting to people where they're at, which I think is It's just an amazing message to provide, but how do we, how do we effectively expand on that? How do we connect to people where they live and work?
1: I don't know that I, I have that answer. (laughs) 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 There's lots of great ideas ideas for how um, we connect. Truly, we're all connected all the time now. Um, And so I think continuing to utilize the tools that almost everyone has, you know, a cell phone, an iPad, a laptop. I really think that 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 connectivity is really part of where we need to start because that is accessible and it's available. I really think that the healthcare landscape is going to continue to change and it really should. Prior to the pandemic we already were looking especially in metropolitan large metropolitan areas of really having too many hospital beds and for communities and that really was starting to look like opportunities for how patients are getting care especially acute care would eventually change and we will get back to those discussions in the next couple of years as hopefully the pandemic continues to wane um so i really think that You know, hospitals will be for the sickest patient, and people who are less sick will hopefully no longer be hospitalized. We may have some new model that will look maybe like an extended emergency room or something like that. And then the rest will really probably be combinations of, you know, if someone has an acute event, then maybe close monitoring that might even be done digitally. Remotely, so I, I think that that landscape is really going to change. And then, for those of us who are not in necessarily the acute setting, like in the emergency room, but who are primary care providers, we will then be linked into how that follow up gets done. And probably we'll have a lot of access to maybe daily technology for that individual. And it will really start to—I really think it'll change and. I would really hope will give better outcomes. You know, I, as a, you know, family medicine physician, I still see patients in the hospital and, you know, patients will go into the hospital for various things and they'll ask me, well, how long am I going to continue to feel, you know, tired or whatever? And I always give my math, which Mm -hmm. is not scientific, but that is really that every day you spend in the hospital is a week of recovery because anyone who's been in the hospital knows that it is, there's a lot going on and it's not a restful place. So we could do better by recuperating at home in our own bed if we could be monitored. So I really think that all of those pieces are going to continue to change and looking at all of these new, you know, technology options will really continue to grow that and hopefully reduce the cost of care because it's not, it is not cost effective to be in the hospital. It's very expensive. So I think that there's a lot of room for us to see these models change over time. And I think, again, this, you know, the pandemic has shown us that we have to have hospitals. But if you're not the sickest of the sick, you really don't want to be there. (laughs) So (laughs) so what does that in-between model look like? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Great. Well, that's 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 great. Well, thank, Doctor Swire. I just want to say thank you so much. You you've really given us a lot of great things uh, to think about and really great insights. I love the you know technology is designed to solve one problem at a time, and that we need to you know, we need to work it into the way patients are seen. I think those are incredible messages. Um, one wh- comment that you made earlier was you know medicine can't be purely an algorithm, which I think that's another you know fantastic. Insight when you're thinking about, you know, building technology um, to make things better. And I, I, I also really like to hear your rank. You know, whether you're making a patient-forward innovation or you're thinking about how to make the physician's life better when they're seeing patients and making sure that there's a appropriate kind of work-life balance. And you know, it's it's helping patient outcomes. So I think all of those messages are really interesting, important insights that we that we talked about today. Thank you. Yep, this was fun. Wonderful. So, if you um if you're a digital health innovator who needs access to leading health industry experts to build commercial commercialize and scale your health products, please contact M Disrupt. Thank you so much for being with us today.